So this is our scripture reading from today, for today from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the date the Father has set down by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was, taking, he was taken up before them, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid, them, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken uh, from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Anyone who, uh, who doesn't think God has a sense of humor can just look at the uh, cripple talking about the ascension <laughs> from a seat. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes. Uh, so this is our, uh, our passage and our, our story um, from Scripture uh, today um, from the book of Acts, the ascension. Um, just some bits and pieces. I always like to give at least a little bit of context as we can. Um, the first thing, many of you will know this, but just in case um, those of you who don't, the book of Acts it was written by Luke. Um, many of you re may recognize him from the gospel of Luke fame. Um, and by the looks of things, he's actually writing to the same person he was potentially writing to with uh, the gospel of Luke, Theophilus, who we don't know a huge amount about, um, but it's kind of presumed he was some kind of Roman officer, um, is kind of roughly what some people are thinking about Luke. Um, we, we know as a kind of doctor, a man kind of of science, and he definitely likes to record details as a kind of common theme both in his, uh, in his gospel account and also in the book of Acts, uh, which is really just the story um, of the early church, of what comes uh, next um, after um, all that happened with, uh, with Jesus. Um, I always find the, the ascension a slightly interesting one because it's the bit that we tend to forget um, in some ways. Like, we love, like, the incarnation, and we think about Christmas and Jesus coming as a baby, and we, we love to talk about that kind of bit in church. And then when we come to Easter, uh, maybe more solemnly, but we, we really importantly remember the cross and the sacrifice and all that led up to that, the resurrection and the hope that comes with it. Um, but the, the ascension is one of those bits when Jesus goes into heaven that, that we kind of tend to almost forget. It's just like, oh yeah, and that bit happened, and then we move on. Um, but what I'd hopefully like to encourage you with 
with today is that there's a huge amount that we can take from this, a huge amount of hope that we can take, even just from this tiny little section um, and what it reveals to us about God um, and God uh, at work in our lives. You see, before the ascension, before this moment here when Jesus heads off um, up into, into heaven um, in a way that is somewhat hard to understand, to actually meet with Jesus, to have a conversation with him, to be healed by him, to, uh, to listen to his teaching, you had to physically go to Jesus. Like you had to travel to Jerusalem or to Galilee or to Samaria or wherever he was traveling about, you had to physically go and encounter physical Jesus who is there in front of you, which is not an uncommon theme, actually, of much of the people um, of God the whole way through Scripture, like the, be it before Jesus, there was the temple and the tabernacle, these physical places that people had to kind of go to, to the, the notion that God's Spirit was kind of dwelling in these particular locations or this, uh, in the case of Jesus, particular person. But the wonderful and miraculous thing that comes with the ascension is that no longer do we need to go to a physical place to meet with a specific physical person. The promise of the ascension is that as Jesus um, ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, to rule as he was intended in the kind of uh, incredible and cosmic beyond um, of this physical place, the Spirit is sent in His stead, that we have God residing in us. No longer do we need to go to the place that God is, but rather God, if we are uh, believers in Christ, rests in our hearts. That is a truly wondrous and transformational thing, and it requires the ascension to get there. Um, and I think that's really important for us to start with. I want to particularly focus in on, on a question um, that's asked in the middle of this passage. In verse 6, um, there's a question that the, the disciples ask. They say, they gather around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You could easily maybe discount that question and think it's just another chance of the disciples not quite getting it, um, not quite understanding what was going on, or maybe getting confused, or in the midst of everything else was going on. But I think actually it's a remarkably fair question, and I think the underlying question behind it is one that we consistently ask in our own lives, um, which I'll hopefully allow us to explore. You see, it was relatively fair of the disciples to think that, like, they've seen all the wonders of Jesus, they've seen everything, including the resurrection, and they would think that at this point, okay, we're finally going to go to this kingdom that's going to be established among us, and that's it. We're going to be sorted. All these troubles that we've encountered before are finally going to be done. A very quick um, kind of Old Testament recap, which is very, very quick, um, just to dust off any kind of history going on here in case you're not too clear on the whole kingdom of Israel thing. Uh, the kingdom of Israel is not so much a, a nation, but much more a people, um, a people of God, a very chosen and special people, which starts all the way back with Abraham, a, a man who had this remarkable relationship uh, with God, a, a kind of connection, a covenant that was made between them, a promise of God that from Abraham uh, he would have many generations beyond him that would go out. And, and in this kind of starting relationship with Abraham, 
we see God forming a people together for His purposes. And, and, and that travels through from uh, Abraham to his son Isaac and to, to Jacob, um, who would later uh, be renamed Israel um, as the kind of father of, of the tribes of Israel. Israel itself, in case you're not too sure, just kind of means wrestling with God um, or contending with God. That's kind of the, the underlying name of, of, of Israel there. And it was a name actually kind of given to Jacob um, by God himself. But from that, from uh, Jacob's sons, uh, who would then become the kind of forefathers of the different tribes, a nation is, is formed. And you kind of skip forward a kind of couple of hundred years or so, we, we find ourselves at Moses um, and Egypt. I'm sure many of us will recognize the tale of the, the people of Israel kind of enslaved in, in Egypt um, and all that goes on there and, and the freedom actually that is, is eventually brought about by God and by Moses. And after that, we get this series of, of law, of rules that is passed down by Moses, um, through, by God through Moses um, to the people for, for how to live and how to be, um, how to exist as this, uh, this nation, this people set apart, different from the world around them. And there's a lot of rules there. Anyone who's read through like little bits of uh, like kind of Leviticus or Numbers or, or Deuteronomy, you will know there is a heck of a lot of, of rules. Some of them that find like today can be incredibly complexing to understand what was going on because they're in such a different time and context that it's almost alien in parts um, to us to understand exactly what God um, was saying or instructing. But the heart of the, that law um, is something that is truly wonderful. And actually, Luke himself uh, sums it up earlier in his own gospel. Um, if we find in uh, Luke chapter 10, um, at the very beginning of a parable that I'm sure you will know, the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, there's a little interaction that kind of goes on between Jesus and uh, an expert in the law. And it's, it says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He replied, what is written in the law? And so, and how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and live. If you want to understand the heart of what is going on in the very confusing but also wonderful at times law that we find at the beginning of Scripture, that verse there sums it all up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What God was trying to do with the people of Israel was to set them up as an example for all else, everyone else to see, of what it looked like to have right relationship between them and God in a kind of uh, vertical plane, and what it looked like to have right relationship with others, with the neighbor, with those around them. It, it was an example of how to live, how to live properly before God, connected in relationship with God, and how to live properly with our neighbor, with those around them, showing love and care and compassion. That was, that was the, the charge of His chosen people, to be an example of what that could be to the world who did not understand it. The thing is, it doesn't take much more reading in the Old Testament to realize that 
they never quite got it, at least for not, not that long. Like the people of Israel, they, they, one minute maybe they're, they're praising and they're worshiping, and the next they have turned their face away. They're, they're worshiping other idols. They're lost. They're confused. They're stuck in their own selfishness. And God remains faithful time and again, time and again. He, he returns to them, but time and again, these same people turn their back on Him. They, they stop being this example that He uh, asked them to be to the world around about them. And instead, their brokenness just seems to come through. Eventually, a brokenness that would lead to exile um, and to a place where the kingdom never really came back to what it once was. For a while, it was, it was a, an actual kingdom, a nation, it defined borders and land, a, a people that they claimed for their own but that didn't last. And by the time we get to Acts, by the time we get to Jesus, um, although there is still a kind of recognition of the kingdom of Israel to a very loose degree, they're basically just a province of the Roman Empire. So behind this question that we have from our disciples in Acts 1, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? There is this question of, Lord, are you finally going to make it all right again? Are you going to bring it back to what it was meant to be? Because what we see around about us is not what it's meant to be. There is so much brokenness between those, uh, our neighbors around us. There is so much brokenness in relationship with God. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't seem right. It has not come together. Lord, are you going to make it well? I think in many ways, all of us have asked a question a bit like that at times gone through life and not understood what is going on, not understood the circumstance that we find ourselves in, not understand what, what God is doing or why there is so much pain, struffling, uh, pain uh, suffering, strife, struggle within us and in our relationships with those around us. It is a question so many of us in our own way, I'm sure, have come to at one time or another. I want to um, ask you maybe something slightly odd again. I'm just putting up weird challenges today. Um, I want to raise your hand in this room for a little simple poll um, of if you would consider yourself a Christian. Like, just kind of raise your hand. There we go. Okay, that's a, a fair proportion of the room. Um, and can I keep that hand up if you, because I've just made an assumption, but that's not necessarily a fair assumption. So keep that hand up if you have ever been in a place of doubt, of uncertainty, of kind of frustration, confusion, wrestling with God, um, loss. There we go. Okay. I think pretty much unanimously the same hand stayed up. But just wanted to make sure. There you go. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I, I just, I realized that I made an assumption, but actually that's not necessarily fair for me to make that assumption. But it, it's the experience I think that I've had and my hand would still go up and I think would be, um, would be the experience that many of us um, have had um, over our lives. Jesus gives two responses um, to this question. First one is kind of a rebuke and almost a little, I'd say almost a little bit harsh, but fair at the same time, um, where he's like, it's not for you to know the time or the place uh, of when my father will do what he will do. Um, like, I'm, I was kind of, as I was reading it through, I was imagining, um, like, 
what that response would be like if any of us were to use it. So say, for example, like someone comes up to me, like Noman comes up and asks for a biscuit. And I'm like, it's not for you to know the time or place when I'll give you a biscuit. Um, it would seem like a really harsh kind of response. Um, but it's also fair as well um, that it, it's, not, it's not for us to know the details of when all things will come and uh, be renewed again as we may hope for. But the second part is the important bit. And I tell you it's important for a number, of, uh, a number of reasons. One of them is if you ever come to Scripture and something is repeated uh, like multiple times within just a handful of ver- verses, that means someone's trying to emphasize something, like just a kind of go-to, if in doubt. If it's getting repeated a good few times, it's, it's almost certainly for a reason. Someone is trying to, God is trying to get across something particular um, to us. And the thing that is emphasized in Jesus' response is this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's an interesting response and a wonderful one in so many ways from Jesus. First off, uh, just thinking back to that picture of Israel as this example of this uh, witness of what uh, life was meant to be like with Jesus, notice the reflection back in this that we find um, in the call of the people of God um, to be those witnesses. But the particular important and wonderful miraculous part of this is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Like I mentioned at the very beginning of this, where Jesus has ascended to the place that he is meant to be, at the right hand of the Father, sitting and rule and reign over all things, the Spirit comes to dwell with us, to live in the midst of us, in our very hearts, that we would be connected with the living God. And in that Spirit, we find right relationship with God. The thing that was so broken time and again with the people of Israel is established in us if we trust and believe because the Spirit is in us. And even that very trust and belief that we may have, I, I, don't, know, uh, I don't know your stories, but for many people, there's a kind of moment of significance uh, when they kind of would describe as coming to faith. It might be a prayer that you've prayed, a, a room that you were in, a, a kind of preach that was happening, whatever. Um, those moments are never just us on our own. That's the spirit at work in us that leads us to these places. Anyone who, who knows and declares Jesus as Lord over their life, as, as Savior um, from sin and from death, that is the spirit's work in you that brought you to that revelation. That is God at work in our hearts. And the Spirit is a wondrous, wondrous thing. Imagine that gift. Understand it. Take it just in for a second that, that God himself would dwell in us, that we would have connection to the very living God. That is the promise of the Spirit. That is the response. When, when asked of the strife-faced, that is the response that Jesus gives because the Spirit establishes that right relationship between us and God. In, in, all, in an instant, in a moment, uh, the brokenness that was there before is gone. Now, sometimes we might try and restrain that relationship, but that doesn't change where we're destined for. That doesn't change the promise of God for us. But any of you here who maybe aren't Christians or aren't so sure of where you are on the journey, or even some who are, 
um, could be asking a very fair question in here. Um, many people in this room put their hands up as uh, to demonstrate that they themselves would, would be Christians and also to say that they have faced struggle, strife, confusion, doubt, whatever, in the midst of their lives. A fair question would be, if the Spirit is in you, if God is in you, then why haven't we all just got it worked out? Doesn't, doesn't that kind of make us hypocritical? Like, if we've got God in us, but we're still kind of weird and broken, if we're still getting caught up in doubt and uncertainty, isn't, isn't there something up about that, something odd about that would be a fair question to ask? But you see, the thing is, while that relationship with God is restored, there is still work to be done in our relationship with others. That bit takes time. It's a gradual and slow process that, it, that, that often just changes one degree at a time, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more each and every day. It is God guiding us in how we interact with others because He can decree in, in the wonders that come from the cross and from salvation, He can decree how our relationships are between Him and us because of, of all that Jesus has done. That's His realm to make declarations as He will. But it's, it's a choice of us how we engage with the world around us. It's a choice of us how we speak to our neighbors and our friends. He's not going to force us to be something that we choose not to. And that's why that's a much more gradual process of the Spirit working slowly but surely in us. I'm sure, uh, or I say this, I need to stop saying I'm sure because that offers far too much presumption. But um, we find um, a wonderful little bit of Scripture by um, the Apostle Paul um, at the end of Galatians that, that some of you will, will recognize um, in Galatians uh, 5.22 if I can turn my Bible. I didn't have enough markers to get to that bit. Um, 5.22, where he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you want to know, in essence, what the Spirit is slowly trying to bring out in you, if you believe, if you trust, if He is residing in you, this is what it's all about. It's about this kind of living. And there's an interesting thing that I think we sometimes trying to try to do when it comes to the list of the fruit of the Spirit. I've heard people like talk as if they'll be like, we, we kind of like to split it up. Like, so I'm doing a pretty good job of loving this week, but. I'm maybe not being quite so faithful. Like, like we, we like to pick the ones that we're kind of doing well at, just like we do in so many other ways, and think, oh, look, at least I'm doing a good job in that one, but I'm not doing quite such a good job in this one. It's important to note that the fruit at the beginning, but the fruit of the Spirit, that, that first word is singular. These are all things worked out slowly and gradually at once. You, just think about it for a moment. You might say, oh, I've got great peace this week. But then, like, you're driving along in traffic, someone cuts you up, and you're raging at them. Like, or you're stuck in a really long queue. Do you really have patience in that situation? And if you don't have patience, do you really have peace? One so often flows into the other. And actually, they all get worked out gradually in our lives, bit by bit, and piece by piece. It is a, a gentle journey that takes time. But I think it's really important in this, and I think this is maybe just a more honest, but this is, this is the bit that's really important in that 
I understand at times, and I, this is maybe only me speaking from my experience, I understand at times my need to love others from the times when I don't show love. Does that make sense? Like, I, I understand my, my lack of love for, for other people so often in the times when I find myself not showing love itself. That's when I'm often most challenged to love better. Um, like, bringing recognition, because in the moment we can be very quick to just make a snap decision and go on, but it's in that reflection and in that working out of what it is to be God's people that, that we, we start to recognize where the things are that we're lacking. And that's the Spirit slowly working and bringing out stuff in us, um, bit by bit, uh, degree by degree. Um, but it is, it's a long journey that all takes a lot of time. Never think that, that the mess that you find yourself in at times can't be used by God. And I think maybe that's what I mean in part by, by the kind of whole notion of, of recognizing my need to love by the times I don't. Like, we all at, at, at times in life will go through stuff which is hard or is challenging where, where we aren't the best version of ourselves. And I don't know exactly what causes it all. I don't know exactly um, the circumstance or, or the, the reality, who's to blame if that's the way you want to word it. But the thing I do know is that in all of it, God can and will and does use it for His good to bring about something that wasn't there before. If we are willing to listen, if we are willing to hear the prompts of the Spirit in us, the guidance of, of those around us who I would argue are also being guided by the Spirit, the words that may bring out to us in Scripture, which again I would argue is the, the prompts of, this, of the Spirit in us. If we are willing to listen, so often the mess that, that life can bring is actually the bit where God's glory can most be revealed like iron sharpening iron or, or like going through a furnace that slowly and surely removes the imperfections bit by bit and day by day. And it's, the bit with God is dealt with instantly, but the bit with others and the internal bit, we don't really get that right until the very end. Like that's the, that's the hard slog of the race that we have committed to running. Um, as Christians. That's the, that's the long game. Like that bit, even as we get better, other things may step in our way. So maybe sins, I don't, I don't know, some of you may have been Christians for a long time. There might be sins that, um, that nowadays you've, you've fairly got a handle on, but, but when you were young, you, you really struggled with quite a lot. Um, like uh, whatever it could be, maybe, I don't know, like drinking, for example, like copious amounts. Maybe when you were younger, it was something that um, was, was maybe more of a struggle. And in time, uh, it's maybe not the struggle it once was before. For example, that's just one of many. So the, the, the outward expression there might have been dealt with. But the thing is that the inward stuff often takes way, way more time to deal with. The, the, the pride, the insecurity, the uncertainty, the stuff in us, in the midst of us, that often causes the more sinful behavior on the outside, that takes a long time to deal with. And it often just finds itself coming out in different ways. And that's why it's such a long and slow and gentle process um, to, to get us to where God hopes us to be. And that's where the second part of, 
the ascension is so, so important. The, the second part of what we, we find here in this little bit um, of Scripture, because in the ascension, we find the promise of what is to come. The acknowledgement that although God has started a work here, he has, He's began a work in us, we're not at the fullness of it yet. Because as Jesus ascends in this remarkable um, and really hard to explain or understand exactly what is going on. I don't know what it looks like for a man to lift into the sky and kind of disappear behind a cloud. I, I, I mean, I guess I've got a loose picture, but I, I, I really don't know what that looks like or, or even what exactly the, the logistics of that mean. But I do know what it promises. It promises each and every one of us that there is a place beyond here God is, is bringing about something in us now, but the fullness of it, that's in the space beyond. And in Jesus, in His ascension, we get a hope to look onto, a place that we will find ourselves in one day, in an assurance that as He was called there, so are we, in an assurance that as the Spirit speaks and moves in us, so it did in Him, and so it does guide us onwards to that place. It's something to hold on to, knowing that that is where Jesus dwells, and that is the invitation of where we will one day come. And so, in the midst of harder or more challenging or more struggling times, please remember that notion that, that this is not the end of it all. That, it, that even in the hardest of the relationships with people around about us, even in the deepest struggles that we have ourselves, that this is not the end of it all. There is a place beyond, a day beyond, a hope beyond all of this. And we are slowly but surely moving our way there. Each step potentially taking us into more of the fullness of God, stripping away the things in us that shouldn't be there so that we become more and more like Him. Think about that list of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Who doesn't want to be that kind of person? Who doesn't want to live that kind of life? But time it takes to get there, it takes trust, and it takes holding on to a hope of what stands beyond a promise that rests in all of this. The Spirit is at work in you if you let him move. God is speaking if you listen. But we have to listen. We have to choose to hear. We have to choose to respond. And it takes a lifetime to learn how to do that properly. But remember, friends, that one day there will be a place where all the complexities of this are stripped away and we find ourselves face to face with the glory of the Father and Jesus sitting there at his right hand, the wonder of all that is to be beyond. So thank you very much for listening. I'm just going to pray to round us off, and um, I'm going to invite up the band. Before we go into more of a fuller worship at the end, um, again, in the notion of giving space to think and to reflect, um, we're going to, I think, play a little... Um, a little uh, kind of more reflective song to begin with, and then we'll go into worship. So if you want to, st I'll pray, stay seated for this kind of first uh, sort of little bit, and then um, 
I'm sure the, invi the band will invite you to stand up at a slightly uh, later point when we go into the next bit. So I'm just going to pray, and then um, we'll have a moment of reflection, of still, and uh, of quiet again. Almighty God, we thank you for the wonder of your Spirit, for its power in us, for the promise we find in, our, in, in your Spirit as it rests in us of restoration between us and you, right relationship once more. And Father, we ask that you would help us to recognize when you're at work, to see that little bit more clearly when you are moving us closer and closer to who you intend us to be. One degree at a time may not seem much in the moment, but over years, it can utterly change our direction. So help us see you, help us hear you, help us recognize you in our lives, we pray. Amen.